What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Antler Up Podcast, and this is episode nine. And I'm Jeremy Dinsmore, and Dimitri and I have Chris Hennessy on this week's show, and is the Eastern Regional Manager for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. In this episode, we talk about hunting, conservation, and how you get to get be more involved with your local chapter of BHA. Before we get into this episode, let's take a moment to thank a few of our partners. First up, a big thanks to the fine people over at America's Best Bowstrings. I've been shooting my Matthews VXR 28 now for a few weeks with a set of Platinum Series strings on them and absolutely love them. The colorway is awesome, but the technology and quality of these strings are what stands out the most. They now come with a two-year warranty and come still with the same unmatched quality and performance. So check them out over at americasbestbowstrings.com. Let's also thank our partners over at Cobra Archery. I'm using the new Harvester Thumb release. What I absolutely love about this release though is the UTS, the Unified Trigger System. That It, it, it offers a, a length and angle rotation of the thumb trigger and is quickly and securely set into position with one screw. This gives you the ultimate customization and comfort for your shot sequence. So go check them out today at irondecoy.com. And the past couple weeks I've been talking about some of my first light gear. Um, so whether it be archery or rifle season, I'm geared up from head to toe in, in first light. So over the past few weeks while I've been out scouting, I've been wearing the obsidian pants and loving the performance and the comfort. And the new ash gray color was just released and you are able to get a pair of the obsidian pants in this new colorway. So go check out what I wear and some of the new 2020 product line that's coming out over at firstlight.com. So I'm really excited to, about this episode. Again, we talk about how you're able to get a little bit more involved with BHA uh, and just a little bit of more backstory about Chris. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, Chris, if you're listening, man, thank you for having Dimitri and I over in your house, over in State College, uh, PA. So thank you. We really appreciate it. We're really, really looking forward to having you on again and some other guests from BHA in the future. So Everybody, hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for the support. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment on our uh, on a review. Until uh, next time, everyone, antler up. All right, everybody, we are live with episode nine with Chris Hennessy with BHA. Um, and we are actually inside Chris's house this evening. So he's doing a great job of welcoming us into his home, uh, allowing us to do this. Chris, thank you so much for, for having us here. Sure. Glad to have you. Awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, thank you again for allowing us to come over here. And, you know, we're going to get into talking about what BHA is and a little bit before we do that, you know, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where, where you're from uh, and uh, kind of what you grew up hunting? Sure. Uh, let's see. Right now we're sitting in my living room in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, which is the, the dead center of the state, center county. Uh, I did not grow up here. I've been here about 10 years. Um, I grew up about a mile from the city limits of Philadelphia in Montgomery County. And uh, not exactly a hunting country uh, in the 1970s. So uh, my father was a hunter, though, and he came up to hunt at a camp um, about 45 minutes from here. Okay. Actually. So I grew up, you know, as a kid, not in the city, in the suburbs, but with a, you know, a father who was a hunter and my uh, oldest brother hunted with him at that camp, and uh, I really wanted to, to be a hunter from the time I was little. So, nice. Um, and th I was about to be old enough to 
go hunting with him, and he died. Okay. So I was 12, and so that was sort of a, a hitch in my hunting career, but it didn't uh, it didn't get me down. I hung out and had some, some family and friends who, um, you know, were willing to take me. And I was a diehard fisherman, too. It was another thing I did with my dad. That I was able to do, you know, on my own, but hunting is, you know, it's more complicated. Guns and yeah. licenses and trips, you know, because you like I said, you can't you can't hunt a mile from the city of Philadelphia with a gun. So, um, yeah. So uh, we had some family friends that, that you know helped keep me in it. Um, a lot of people went out of their way to make sure I got to to hunt, and uh, so I stuck it out. And I, I continued to be a hunter. I didn't hunt all the time just because we didn't we didn't live in a place where you could walk out the back door and you know go hunt squirrels or whatever. So then I got to my twenties and I was able to to pursue it on my own. And by then I had a career and it kind of career came first and I hunted off and on through my twenties, but not very hard. I wasn't really into it. Um, just cause of time and, you know, personal stuff and things you do in your twenties. Yeah. And, uh, um, sometime in my early thirties, a guy named, uh, Dave Mail, who's still a very good friend of mine, um, knew that I was sort of a lapsed hunter at that point was kind of unhappy about it. And he was like, yeah, we're going to go hunting. I'm going to take you turkey hunting. We're going to get you back into it. And it just one turkey trip when I was about, I don't know, maybe 32 was it. I was, I was back in with both feet. Yeah. You're, uh, you're hooked. Yeah. The next year we went to Colorado to hunt elk. Unbelievable. So I was just <laughs> like that old, that old flame that I had when I was a kid was just totally rekindled. And I had kept fishing. I would always been a fisherman. So, um, yeah, the hunting just kicked right back in, and I, I got into it big time and haven't let up. That's amazing. Since. So what, when did you move into this area? Like, well, how long have you been a resident of State College? We've been here almost exactly a decade. Okay. Ten years. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and part of the reason I was happy to move here was we came from my wife's job. She works at Penn State University. But um, part of the reason I was happy to move here, and we, we got to choose where to go because – she has a job track that would have allowed her to go to a lot of places. Um, was the public land and the hunting and the fishing. I had fished Spring Creek and Penns, and I knew uh, I knew there was good fishing here. And just looking at the map and seeing all the green of the state forests around, and you know, I, I backpack and we camp. We do lots of outdoorsy stuff. Right. So this is um, State College is a bit of a, a mecca. Yeah, it's it's the for hub. Every, yeah, yeah, for everything outdoors in Pennsylvania, it's it's probably one of the best places. Right. Well, and even to go back even a little bit further, you know, we'll get into you being the Eastern Regional Manager for BHA, and um, you know, our relationship. I first met you uh, was two summers ago, and when when uh, Under Armour was partnering with BHA doing the whole uh, hike the hike the hunt mm-hmm. contest, yeah. and there I just was looking to expand more for my hunting, uh, what could I do more for public land and just uh, getting into this and lo and behold, I, you know, you Google that and backcountry hunters and anglers came up and I said, Oh wow. Like, and I saw a a PA chapter and, um, I contacted Nate. And, um, so when we, we started talking and giving me some more information, I joined a Facebook group and there was the hike to hunt thing came, came about. So I, I met everybody up at Tussie and 
And when that happened, I, that's where I got a chance to meet you. Uh, you brought your son there for a little bit that day, I believe. Yep. Yeah, and we, had, we had somewhere else to be. We're only there for a short time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And uh, so I got a chance to meet some really cool guys. And that's where our first, you know, our paths first crossed. And right. once we started building, doing this whole antler up thing and, you know, getting people on, you were one of the first that I wanted to get on just because, one, I knew you're from the area and two, just because of, you know, the important role that, that you hold for, for backcountry hunters and anglers. So, you know, we're, we're ecstatic to have you on and talk about that. But, you know, before we get, again, even more into that, uh, we just sat, talked about, yeah, I know you went out west and you said you were in Wyoming. Do you want to talk a little bit about your trip? Because didn't you bring your boy out there to this past trip? I did, yeah. It was his first western trip. William is 12. He was 12 then, still 12. <laughs> Um, his first Western hunting trip, I've been on three elk hunts in Colorado. This is my first time anywhere but Colorado. Um, so it was, uh, my son, William, who's 12 and my, my little nephew who's 40. Okay. Um, yeah, he's not so little, <laughs> uh, but he and I have hunted, he, he and I hunted Colorado, Colorado together two out of the three times that I was there. So he and I have, um, shared Western hunting experience and sort of know what we're doing at least a little bit. And uh, so we took my son, and we drove from here um, to about as far west as you can drive in Wyoming. Yeah. Before you hit mountains with no roads. So, <laughs> uh, and it was a great trip. We did not kill an elk. We, we were as a cow elk hunt. It was very early October, October first, and uh, we saw all kinds of stuff, but we didn't see any elk. <laughs> we saw five moose. Wow. wow. Um, we saw. More mule deer than you could count. Of course, because uh, you're hunting for a cow elk. Yeah. Uh, we finally found elk. The problem was we were, in, we were looking in the wrong places, which is usually what happens, I think, when you're hunting elk and you can't find them. Uh, we finally found elk the last night. So I think if we'd had a longer trip, we might have gotten, we might, might have, we might have come home with some full coolers. But yeah, that's not the option. That's not the object anyway. We, uh, we hiked every, all day, every day, pretty much. We had a, an amazing time. We learned that unit. Um, fairly well, certainly not all of it, but we know, we know it better now than we did before we got there and, uh, we've reapplied for next year. Awesome. Well, good, so, man. That's, that's, headed back. Yeah, that's, we, that's really cool. We truck camped, um, at the end of one of the forest roads and that was, that was okay, but it didn't really work for where the elk were. I, you know, in hindsight, I wish we had brought gear to pack in. Yeah. If, yeah. We'd, if we'd been able to stay at elevation, I think our our chances would have been better. We spent all day, every day trying to hike to get to where the elk were and then hiking back down and then doing it again. And it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, every time I go hunting anywhere, I learn something. So who knows? We'll go next time. We'll go prepared to, to uh, spike camp too. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you know, could you talk a little bit about how you got involved with BHA and that ultimately led you to become that each Eastern regional manager? Sure. Um, I've had an, uh, an odd career path. I think, no, not odd. There's all kinds of people working in, in conservation that have jobs like I do that got there in all kinds of different ways. But I started out my career, I, I went to Temple University in Philadelphia for uh, journalism. So I have a career in, uh, degree in journalism. I got out of school and worked in journalism for 15 years, newspapers, magazines. And left that industry in the 2000s 
and did some other things, did uh, public public relations and marketing, um, and a, a few other things. And just had to I had to get out of newspapers. I'd had my run, kind of. Uh, but it was a good experience to have because you learn to write and you learn to talk to people and you learn to um, learn about things quickly. It's a it's a good skill to have. Right. So I translated that into a lot of things. And, and then when we moved here, we came from my wife's job and I sort of left, you know, all my career stuff behind at that point. It was sort of a clean break. And I had this great opportunity that I didn't really realize. Like when you when you wholesale pick up and move from the place you've lived your whole life and you move somewhere new, it's like a clean slate. Right. And for me, I had, since, you know, my wife had a, a nice job at Penn State and we had small kids. I spent a lot of time taking care of the kids the first few years and sort of figuring out what I wanted to do with myself when I grew up. And what I had always wanted to do was spend more time working in you know, volunteering for, you know, conservation organizations and getting involved in that space. So I looked around and I found a Spring Creek chapter of Trout Unlimited, which is here in State College. And um, I went to their Christmas party one year. And before I left, I was on the board because um, I was pretty young compared to a lot of the other people in the room. And they're like, you're really interested in this? And I said, yeah, I'm really interested. I want to help out. They're like, great. You're on the board. I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so that turned out to be a great ride. I met a lot of nice people and learned a lot about water and conservation and how, how nonprofits work Okay, uh, from a volunteer standpoint. And that was probably uh, three or four years of doing that. Maybe not that long, maybe, maybe three. Um, and then yeah, I had, by that time I had met a lot of people that worked in conservation around here. Penn State is a a hub for a lot of things, but there's also a strong community of wildlife professionals, uh, earth science professionals, environmental professionals because of uh, because of the university. Right. So there's also a lot of uh, state, federal, and nonprofit offices here that deal in those, you know, the outdoor space, the wildlife space, the recreation space because of the university. So... There's a lot of those people here. Also, forestry. That's one I left out. There's yeah. a lot of foresters here. I'd never met a forester until my life, until I moved to state college. And then I felt like everyone I met was a forester <laughs> for the first couple of years. So anyway, um, start, you know, volunteering with TU, I met a lot of those people. And before I knew it, I was, you know, hanging out with those people. And like all my friends now are either wildlife biologists or foresters. Right. That's awesome. So that sort of cemented my, my, my spot in the, you know, at least a little bit in the in the community, the conservation community here, and a job opened up at the local land trust, which is called Clearwater Conservancy, and they do, uh, you know, it's a pretty much a straight land trust. They they conserve land, they take uh, private private land um, that people willingly give up, and they put an easement on it so they can never be developed, and then the, the land conservancy uh, holds the easement in perpetuity, so the development rights are removed from the land, and it's kept in, in more or less a natural state. Every easement is different. So they did that. And then we also did a lot of um, fundraising for land purchases, and then they would transfer that land to the state, either state game lands um, or state forest in most cases. And that was, you know, the goal there was to be additive to the, the public land state. Okay. Um, and Clearwater over the years has done a lot of projects like that. Some are huge, some are tiny, but 
it's they're still doing it you know still trying to add to the public land that we have so i learned a lot about public land i learned a lot about biology you know there's a professional biologist there good friend of mine katie ombalski and i just you know that was a huge learning experience Spent five years there learning conservation you know from the professional side okay i'd been a volunteer then i learned from the professional side there at least at you know at the local level clearwater is not huge but it's small and effective there's uh, probably eight, eight or nine employees there still and it's you know well thought of so it was it was fun I, I did a lot there i had a lot of freedom i had a lot of um uh opportunity to be creative i started a i didn't start i i revived an outdoor uh adventure program wonderful had, um, to get people just anybody members public out on the landscape so we did all kinds of stuff i would take people out on weekends i would Sometimes I would get a like a a noted wildlife photographer to come, and we would just go for a hike in Rothrock State Forest, and the photographer would give tips. Okay. Oh, wow. um, so I would put all those things together, gather the people, advertise it, do the marketing, and then usually go on them too. So we did we did fishing, we did we did a kayak trip on uh, uh, Bald Eagle Creek, we did photography, we did for for years. Clearwater has done a. Um, salamander hike in the spring oh cool yeah spotted salamanders are migrating in the in the forest uh nearby that's always fun um go out at night and chase down these 10 inch long giant salamanders (laughs) kids and flashlights it's fantastic yeah Uh, get the the kids out man that's awesome the wood frogs are out the spring peepers are out it's it's always a blast so that you know that kind of stuff we did all kinds of things you know and that was really fun i enjoyed doing that um and then, you know, it was a lot of desk work too. Yeah. But it was, it was a great experience. And, um, so from there, I, you know, I, I kind of ran my, my course there too. I've, I guess I have a little bit of a short attention span with careers. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, and I jumped there to go to work at Penn state in, um, my other, my other secret love, uh, mechanical and nuclear engineering. No, I'm oh. kidding. That's not a secret <laughs> love. Of mine. Not a secret love of mine at all. But uh, it was a, a challenging job, and I, I, I was just looking for something different. So I went over there to do um, public relations and marketing uh, at Penn State in the mechanical and nuclear, nuclear engineering department. I still can't say right? <laughs> said it wrong so many times. That's awesome. Uh, and that was a really hard, uh, challenging job that uh, wound up being not all that fulfilling, really. Yeah. So. Uh, I was actually sitting in my office at Penn State, and I saw um, I had been a member of Backcountry for, I don't know, six months, maybe a year, and I saw an email come in on my phone, and I checked it, and there was a an ad in there for, uh, I forget what was my first job here. It was um, New York and Pennsylvania State Lands Coordinator or something, Public Lands Coordinator. Okay. At at BHA and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So I read the description. I was like, huh, you know, actually I kind of have all this experience. Yeah. So I applied and it's, the process was long and I forget how many interviews I did a bunch. I did one sitting in that office at Penn state and spent Penn state won't care if they hear that. (laughs) Uh, and then I did one when I was on vacation at the shore. (laughs) Uh, and then I did one later that summer. I was in on vacation at a lake i had to uh i had to borrow someone else's house because they had uh 
service. I was going to say, yeah. It was a Skype interview. I'm like, oh, I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to do this. Anyway, through this whole long process, I finally I got this job. So That's awesome. So, that, yeah, and that was it. That's how I got to BHA, and it's been a perfect fit. That's – that. It's it's what I love about it is – when I tell my story to my students, it's kind of like that same runaround Mm -hmm. of like career paths. I always tell them, I'm like, you know, when I went to school, I was so dead red on being a phys ed teacher. And when things didn't go my way for like one class, I didn't have that guidance to, for somebody to be like, you know, you could take that class again next semester instead of just saying, all right, I'm going to drop a whole different uh, career path. So I ended up going into hospitality and I, got my my wits I guess you could say about me then a lot better I understood studying I understood how to apply myself in a, in a better manner and I ended up getting dean's list and doing a lot better in school and it was about my end of junior year I had an internship out at Oakmont Country Club and because I was even though it was hospitality I was gearing more towards club management for for golf clubs and I ended up like that that trip, I'm like, man, I really like helping people and helping them run a successful type business, but I like teaching them. And I guess, guess that's where like the love and passion that I always wanted to be as a teacher was coming out. So I'll, I graduated from Penn State and if, with a hospitality degree. I ended up getting a job out in Liberty National Golf Club, which is North Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working there for that summer because they held a big time FedEx cup for them. So I helped them out getting that on their feet. And then a position at a local uh, hotel here came open. So I took an assistant banquet manager job for, for around here. My wife was teaching at the high school already at the time. So I stayed home and when things were going pretty well for the first like two years working there. And then finally I kind of decided like, I want to follow my passion and go maybe into teaching. And my, at the time she was just my girlfriend and she fiance and she said, I'd, I'd support you. And I said, okay. And, um, we ended up just, I went back to school, got a, basically a whole another degree in kinesiology. And now I, I was working, uh, as a personal trainer, I was substitute teaching and still working at the hotel all at one time. And just to try to help make ends meet, basically. <laughs> trying to hold it together. <laughs> hold, trying to hold it everything together. And then uh, finally a job, you know, opened up and um, it was the right fit and, and it was the right opportunity. So I, I couldn't be happier. And, uh, and you know, now with this, it's just, again, following my passion with, with just the outdoors, like growing up hunting with my dad and uh, just rekindling that love for, for it. And uh, within the last four or five years, it's just been something that I feel more connected to myself and help have my, like, I almost feel like I, it made me connect better with myself, but it also made me connect better with my family mm-hmm. just because we we're, we do different things now together, whether it be camping, going, taking my daughter out on, on hikes and just having fun with her and uh, just spending more time out, outside. So I, I love that. It wasn't just a, you know, you went to the nuclear I don't, I'm I'm lost. I, I can't even say it. <laughs> Department of Mechanical Engineering. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You have I, to be smart to, yeah, to say, say that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I love that you had that. You know, full circle of all different things. That's fascinating, and I just you know, I I I, I appreciate that hard work. So that's awesome. Well, that's what I feel like. We all kind of have the same story here. I I actually started as a health and phys ed teacher in college, <laughs> and wound up as a physical therapist. So we yep. all you know. 
I mean, we we kind of have the same story where we all just kind of started somewhere and ended up kind of where we wanted to be. Um, but we all enjoy helping people and, and that's even why we do this. And, yeah. you know, that's our message with Antler Up because we want to help people and, and the same thing with BHA. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's take a quick break to thank our partners over at Sever Broadheads. If you are looking for a new mechanical broadhead that flies perfect, cuts massive holes, and it is extremely durable, then head over to our website, click on to our partners page, and click on that first picture that comes up from Sever Broadheads. This will take you right to their their uh, website where you can check out their 2.1, their 1.5, as well as their AP 1.7 uh, broadheads. And while you're there, check out their brand new uh, HD target. Again, they are amazing heads. They fly perfect. I know a lot of brands say that, but man, I'm telling you, these are unbelievable for how straight they fly and the cut that they have. Dimitri and uh, some friends of mine have put some deer down with it this past year. Uh, man, they will not leave my quiver. So check them out, severbroadheads.com or over on our website and give them a look, give them a follow, and you will not be disappointed. All right, Chris, give us a little bit of a brief overview of just what BHS, BHA is in general. Well, what BHA is in general? Let's see. Um, BHA is a, a North American nonprofit uh, organization that um, focuses on making sure that public lands, water, and wildlife stay intact for, for ours and future generations. I mean, that's the big picture. That's the, that's the slogan, you know. Um, yeah. I like it. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of little pieces that, that go into that, but that's, that's the, the big the, picture of what BHA is. And what sort of programs? So going a little, a little bit of the programs that BHA is doing, maybe in general to protect our public lands, maybe as a, a countrywide, and and then later on we'll get into maybe some just PA specific programs. Sure. So um, we do we do a bunch of different. We have different programs at BHA with different things that we concentrate on, things that we work on. But our main goal is to be an advocacy organization. So. Yeah, like I said, we're a nonprofit and and an advocacy organization primarily. So, what does that mean? That means that what we really want to do is move the needle uh, through our grassroots membership on policy, on decisions that get made by people who hold you know offices of power, whether that be elected or appointed, um, federal, state, or local. You know, there's the the people in government and the people who you know, they hold the, the keys to the public lands and a lot of the environmental stuff and a lot of the wildlife stuff that we care about. So our goal is to, you know, represent the membership and, and keep track of the, the issues that are happening that, that affect what we care about, which is, like I said, public lands, um, waters and wildlife. And, and the, the power that we have, you know, the, what we seek is is to have our members um, be plugged in to us and the issues and take action. You know, they have to have a, you know, we want to be a conduit between between them um, and the people that make the decisions. So, you know, we'll, we'll do something like put out an action alert, like, hey, there's something happening that, you know, we here's our position on it, here's what we think. You know, you're you're a member of BHA. You're an individual. You can make up your own mind whether you take action on this or not. But here's our guidance, right? You know, and that's part of you know BHA provides a service, and that's sort of it. We 
we keep our eyes out. We uh, follow the follow the news. We follow the you know the bills that are moving through. You know, all levels, not all levels of government, but many levels of government as best we can. And we take take what's happening, you know, reduce it down to a position and let our members know what that position is and, and tell them, you know, what our advice is on how they should act. Right. I'm, I mean, that's, that's yeah. it. I mean, that's yeah. grassroots advocacy in a nutshell. Yeah. And I mean, I know, like I said, just following through social media outlets, uh, you guys had a busy fall i would say you guys were going down to congress a little bit going down to dc mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah we when there when the time is right when there's an issue and, and there's something that we think we can um you know help move the needle on and the way we want that needle to go we, we do a thing called a fly-in um and lot, you know lots of different types of groups do these things but we'll you know pull in members and uh from all over the country sometimes and we take them to dc that's awesome yeah, and, and, I, we, I, and we do, you know, we arrange that, you know, we, we make it happen so that they're sitting in front of their elected officials in the elected officials' office. Yeah, now I don't, I don't think people realize, especially at this point in time, how bad we are actually battling to keep a lot of public grounds and, and keep that access for everyone to enjoy and, and use at this point. Yeah, I think it depends on, on where you are in the country, how tuned in you are to that. Um, here in the East, we have it. We have it pretty good. Our public lands are almost almost entirely state managed, not entirely. Um, state management, you know, let's take Pennsylvania for an example. We have 4 million acres roughly of public land, and it's all managed, almost all managed by state or state agencies. And then there's a lot of you know local government land too. There's not much threat to that being taken over for development because there's just no will to do it. Right. Um at least not right now. There are there are other things that crop up, but it's at the federal level, you know, national um, national level, the federal government, where we we sort of run into those actual threats, where a you know chunk of land could be um, a chunk of land or, or or a whole type of lands could be under threat because someone you know puts out a bill that says, hey, we're going to dispose of three million acres of land across Utah, right, or whatever. And that has happened recently. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, there's, you know, in, in, in this particular, a lot of this federal land disposal uh, movement is in the West because that's where the, the federal public land is largely. You know, we do have some in the East. I don't want to say we have any. You know, the, large, the largest piece of public, federal public land we have in Pennsylvania is the Allegheny National Forest. There's uh, national forests in New England. There's national forests down south, too. Okay. But, but the bulk of our federal public lands are uh, 640 million acres of public land. in This country is federal public land and it's out West, you know, West of the Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and out there it's a daily, a daily thing in some places that someone's got some new way that they're going to privatize it, do something with it yeah. other than leave it open to the public. Right. So, and then, there, you know, there's uh, a lot of things to do with water too. Right. You know, we have, we have a, a guy that works for us named Rob Parkins. Uh, he lives in Idaho, and he works on public waters issues. And that's a big topic. I mean, even I, I work with, a, you know, obviously as, as a teacher that are huge, huge, huge outdoor individuals, and they are always just complaining about it just, you know, not getting into uh, fishing much anymore just because they feel like there's not enough 
public places to go. Everything's kind of just private privatized, they say. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, they have a point, but I'm like, you know, there's also spots where you could go. But like, that's like, that's all I hear as I'm not, I want to be, I want to fish more. And I know like my father is, uh, is a huge fisherman, uh, goes up to New York every single year for steelhead and everything. But, uh, I know right now, like what I hear is just, there's, there's not a lot of, a lot of area to go to go fishing here in Pennsylvania. Like that's just public land for them to go on and let loose. Well, that's, I even hear a lot of my patients when I'm talking to them during treatment, I ask them, you know, do you hunt or, or, you know, what do you hunt? And then a lot of them said they gave up hunting because a lot of the land that they were, they were hunting got posted, which I think, is, especially if you're living around here, is just an excuse because if you're actually looking at maps, there's actually a lot of public land. I think they just kind of get used to the spot of where they wanted to hunt and, and that kind of drove them away from the sport a little bit but i mean how fortunate we are to actually have all the public land around here that's really not not much of an excuse when i when i hear that which is you know nice to be a little bit more informative to them you know to tell them about public land and and give them some suggestions maybe you know how easy it is to look at a map now i mean compared to before you had to look on a physical map yourself of where state clean lands is but with the internet i mean it's such easy access to to find those locations yeah. now and that's even like with onyx maps or hunt wise app or base map uh whatever program you use there's all the different toggles now where you can do maps for you know topo maps you could do for water you could do things for cwd now on onyx maps so there's just a d- bunch of different things that you could toggle and that what you're gearing towards what you want to find so mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think excuses go a long, a long way for that. Yeah, I sympathize with those people though, because they, you know, they're talking about private land, and um, I sympathize with them though, because it, a lot of a lot of folks, I think, grew up hunting that same chunk private. And it was just it was their place, even though it wasn't their place, you know. And then land ownership changes, something happens, that farm gets sold, and it, and it. If that was your spot, that can be the time you jump out, you know. Now, eh, I lost my spot. I'm not going to hunt anymore. Right. And, and, yeah, I mean, they're not working. Maybe they're not working as hard as they could, but still we lost a hunter. Right. You know, and it, I, a lot of that has happened. When people talk about across the country, when they talk about loss of access or there's nowhere to hunt anymore, what they're talking about is private land that's now either suburbs. Right. And you can't. Or it's, you know, ownership change. And everybody, you know, it's posted or um, some other, you know, just things change over time and, and they can no longer access that property. And that's a big, that's the thing we hear about, about, you know, people getting out of hunting is that they've lost their spot or there's nowhere to hunt. Access is their issue. Right. So I think a lot of times they're not talking about public land. They're talking about their, their special private spot. Right. So. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, that's something that I've been it's funny just because of again going off of even things that i've experienced and i was just talking to an individual uh aaron blicey uh about this last night where we were just saying how the hunting industry just the where where it's going and you know it feels like people feel like they need that validation if they only shoot big bucks or you know big bulls and it's you know we were saying just we want people to get out in the woods and experience hunting and and hunt their hunt 
And my dad is an individual where for myself, I didn't grow up. I grew up small game hunting on public land. I grew up turkey hunting on public land. I grew up, you know, going fishing on uh, where, wherever, whatever lake and, and some, um, some rivers that my dad would, would take me to and all that stuff. But then when it came to deer hunting, we did hunt on a private uh, club type mountain. And like you just, you were mentioned of, of having that spot. And like now I know that mountain is uh, not necessarily, I don't want to say it's not struggling, but I know we're always asking for people to want to come up and just kind of be a part of that, that, that mountain club just because there's you know people are are unfortunately just getting older and they're getting out of hunting or uh, you know just just not not involved as much and uh what i love about going back home and hunting that club with my dad is just the the nostalgic feel of it with him mm-hmm. you know and I, and I love that and what i've loved over the past four years of you know, hunting with Dimitri, uh, you know, even these past two seasons has been just learning new things just on out on public land. Like I'm like, wow, just the, just the way if a pressure of individuals are going this way, how that's going to impact the deer movement. Whereas for me, it was different. Like we had a app at the mountain. It was hopefully you could find the bed to feed, uh, uh, escape and route and where they were bedding just because those deer were not pressured. So you have people that are not moving deer around whatsoever, and they might only move 150 yards because they right. got everything where they need compared to them running for their lives every second of the day on, say, you know, upon the mountain where we hunt for public land over in our area. So, uh, I, and that's the beauty, I think, of what we, we're faced with is, is to try to make a change and get more people involved or get them more aware. And that's where I think BHA has a, such a great voice and good individuals to help lead that way and just uh, get more people involved and have, have fun in in the outdoors. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what we're working on. You know, like I said, advocacy is our our main uh, thing that we concentrate on, but you know, recruitment, retention, reactivation, the R3 movement, bringing, bringing people back to hunting or bringing them to hunting is part of it too. Yeah. um, One of, one of the things that we are putting significant resources into we have a full-time staff member in uh, the Missoula, Montana headquarters office that, you know, is um, helping our chapter leaders across the country, you know, implement programs, get, get programs started, improve programs for R3. And everyone's working on it. You know, every state agency that we work with has got a program. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's coming up. It's it's a lot of, uh, a lot of different a lot of people trying a lot of different things in a lot of ways in a lot of places. It seems like this um, big disjointed experiment right now, which is right. probably a good way to describe exactly what it is. Yeah. But a lot of them are working. Um, and some, you know, some other uh, um, nonprofits in this space are having huge success. You know, National Wild Turkey Federation has done an yeah. amazing job. Right. Um, you know, lead, leading on this, I think, in a way that, you know, probably no one else has. And that's, you know, totally admirable. But, there, you know, there's, on the other side, there's um, little little groups here and there all over the place trying stuff. Right. So, and I think all of it is good. Yeah. You know, I think I think we need it. I think a lot of people are finding it and benefiting from it. And I think it, I think the one thing that we don't talk about with R3 and all these, these programs going all over the place, a lot of people, you know, you might, 
you might try a program or hear about it or talk about it or maybe show up for a day and you don't become a hunter, but at least you have a better understanding. Right. You exactly. Know? A lot of these people that are, that are going to these programs are zero. They're no hunters. They've never even thought about it really before. Somehow something piqued their interest and they came. Yeah. But they come from a non-hunting background. So, you know, there's a, a guy I met in New, in uh, New, Northern New Jersey recently. He has a, a thriving guide business out of New York City taking people hunting in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Because there are people that live in New York City. They yep. come from all over the world, a lot of them. Yep. Places where you couldn't hunt. There's nothing to hunt. Hunting was for the, the rich yep. and the famous where there was just no wildlife <laughs> left. And they find themselves living in New York City and somehow they hear about this guy and 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 they he's really busy. That's insane. So he's he's a hunting guy that takes newbies, you know, first timers. He's got a whole system. Takes them hunting in New Jersey. That's so like on all on public land. Yeah. Wow. So it's that to me, if people are willing to pay him to do that, that tells me that there's a lot of a lot of room for nonprofit groups, you know, state agencies to offer programs yeah. that, are, that are meaningful. And um yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out what works. We have lots of different stuff happening at BHA, chapter, BHA chapters all across the country. Yeah, and I, and I know, like, we spoke uh, one time about, you know, for me having that teacher platform mm -hmm. and with my Antler Up stuff, I love bringing my students involved, whether they are all over the, the map when it comes to what their beliefs are. And I just, it starts just even with them, I'm like, when was the last time you were, you skinned your knee? <laughs> and it like, it just, they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not saying like in a gym, I'm like saying like going outside. And then I kind of just say, you know, have you ever gone camping before? Mm -hmm. And then it goes to, you know, have you have like, what kind of game, what kind of meat do you do like consume? Do you even consume meat? And, and then it kind of branches off from there. And like, it, we, it gets this big class conversation and it's actually pretty neat just to see like what their opinion is and then when I kind of explain a little bit to them and it opens their eyes and they're like wow like I I want to join like an outdoor club that like because we have one and and they go hiking they go camping and stuff and what I'm looking to try to do and uh in the process of finalizing is like a I, I keep calling it like a mini BHA type thing where I just want the and it's just because for the advocacy of hunting and outdoor and fishing is just I want to get like individuals like yourself, Chris, but get like the game commission, get uh, individuals with our NAPSI program to come teach archery and just things like that where it could be it, it could expose them because I have like what's 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 great about our area where we live is we have the agriculture families where hunting is huge, mm -hmm. and then yeah. we have and then we have the uh, you know the Penn State University professors kids that are like you said never been hunting or just don't even know what it is so i love ex explaining that and showing that and just how that food that you know from from field to plate is just uh an, an amazing thing and uh they a lot of them buy into it and they, they like the idea of it and they want to know more and i have constantly as a coach they're like I have my players are like dins i want to go hunting next year with you and they're like, I, you know, turkey seems really cool. I want to go turkey hunting. I'm like, well, but that's during our season. So it's turkey season stuff for us <laughs> for baseball. But um, I'm like, but yeah, I would love to. And I like, they're like, I just want to hear one like 
gives our, you know, like going, mm-hmm. going in the wild. I'm like, sure, let's, let's do it. So I don't know. I just, I want to use that platform to try to get the kids that I, I just remember for me being their age and I loved hunting. And then there, they, there became, as I got older, I'm like, man, I want to go hang out with my friends, you know, like, and all that type of stuff. And, and now in hindsight, 2020, like I needed the woods then, you know what I mean? And I just, I want them to maybe get like 5% of that or like just something. Uh, I just, I, it scares me. I have a six year old, will soon be six year old daughter. And it just scares the living daylights out of me with what, what these kids, uh, that's that's a what, what do you Chris we're cracking a new Belgian day blazer right there buddy I like it, um, but it just scares me knowing like what what our kids are are growing up into and uh, we hope to raise them right but I just want them to appreciate the great outdoors of, because it, like you, these public lands it's it, it's theirs so well, and yeah. we 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 even don't even think about the people. I think we talk about hunting and fishing so much. What about the people that just enjoy kayaking or, or, or hiking oh, yeah. or camping or, you know, they might not be involved in hunting as much, but, you know, we still need to protect these lands for them and they just enjoy being outside and, and, and enjoy nature as well. So, I mean, I think that's where a lot of people, we can come together and, and kind of one common goal is, is for these lands and protect them and we can all enjoy them, even though we're kind of into different different activities sure yeah and, and that's something about bha too that we we attract members that aren't hunters or anglers right they're just people that really appreciate public land and want it to be there they might be hikers bird watchers right you know kayakers who knows but there there are we do have members that don't hunt or fish yeah even though we're you know primarily people that hunt and fish but what we do benefits everybody whether they like it or not right you know yeah. Um, and we, and we make a conscious effort too. I mean, it, one of the things it's a little bit, not that other, you know, hunting and fishing nonprofits aren't doing this, but we make an sort of a conscious effort to, to move outside of the, the hook and bullet circle. You know, we want relationships with folks that aren't just like us. Yeah. We want to be, um, you know, talking to people who are also public land users, but in a different way. We want to appreciate them. We want them to appreciate us because we all need to be on the same team, you know, because we're right. about, like I said, we're about the advocacy. We're about, you know, voices for public lands. And we we are mostly hunters and anglers, but your voice is your voice. And if you're with us, you're with us. Right. You know? That's um, awesome. So, yeah, we do. Uh, we go out of our way. You know, we go to out to a retailer every year and, and spend a lot of time, you know, working with groups that aren't hunting and fishing. Right. So that's awesome. Now, Chris, could you talk a little bit about, you know, specifically the PA chapter? Like, what are some of the things that we have going on here in in Pennsylvania that, you know, like I mentioned to you before, like I've been a member for the past two years and I, you know, I love the, I will say this, I will say you guys doing a great job with like our monthly newsletter um, that, that we get out. I I really enjoy getting those because I'm like, oh, wow, that's something that's coming up. Hopefully I could swing swing make it to an event um you know i know on march 21st you have the western um hunt informational thing going on at kinsey's uh, the western hunting summit yep yeah so uh, that's coming up here in a a few weeks and then also you have the state game lands habitat project do you want to just talk about that 
Yeah, I, I got to give credit for all the stuff to the state chapter guys. <laughs> I, You're the guy uh, that posts. Uh, your name goes on the post for. But. Well, yeah, I do some of the background work, but like yeah. this is all them. You know, yeah. I, I I didn't create any of those events you just talked about. The the PA state chapter leadership and the members do it all. Uh, but I do know about it because I I I help with marketing. Right. <laughs> um, the Western Summit hunting. Uh, the Western Hunting Summit actually have had some input on. Yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. The the uh, the most exciting; those are all exciting to me. But the, um, the habitat projects are especially exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's taken us a while here. This chapter really like is an active, fully functioning chapter is only two years old. Yeah, and it's taken us a while to you know build relationships with the game commission, um, the fish commission, and TCNR, uh, and it's that's all coming to fruition. That's awesome right, right now. So, um, and those those are great habitat projects that you talked about too, because they're they're all happening on public land and they're all happening with other groups. Um, Rough Grass Society is going to be there. Wild National Wild Turkey Federation is going to be there. So it's not just us. It's it's um, you know those groups pulling together too. That's phenomenal. Game Commission. So yeah, those are great events. Um, the Western Hunting Summit is really. Uh, the brainchild of uh, Vice Chairman Nick Long here in the Pennsylvania chapter and the good folks at Kinsey's uh, in Mount Joy. Yep. Are donated the space and they're going to be part of the event. That's it's awesome. It's a full day of, you know, learn you know, learn to hunt out west. You know, yeah. Whether you've never gone or you've thought about going or you've gone once or maybe gone 10 times. If, you t- if you've gone 10 times, you can do a seminar. Um <laughs> But there's a lot of Western hunting experience in this state in, in, in BHA. And there's still a whole lot of people that are daunted by the thought of going out there. They think it's too expensive. It's too much. It's too far. I don't know what to do because it's a big, it's a big lift. Right. But we have a lot of people here who have done it many times and, and know how to make it happen. And they're, they're folks that live and mostly are from Pennsylvania. So it's from this perspective. Yeah. You know. There's a lot of Western hunting experts, and most of them live out west. Correct. But yeah. we've, we're the only ones with the perspective of doing it from here. Right. And I'll tell you something. There's a lot of things we know more about than those Western guys, like how to get a non-resident license, mm-hmm. because they just walk down to the hardware store and get as many as they want. A lot of people that live out <laughs> that's not, that's not true. But uh, residents out west do do enjoy pretty easy access to tags. Yeah. It's different if you're a non-resident, yeah. and they're very expensive. So yeah. you got to pick and choose what you're going to do, and that's – that's what we know. Right. You know, we have a lot of experts in that. And we also know how to like drive from here and car camp. Right. And backpack camp and do all that kind of stuff. So, well, that's, I mean, for me personally, that's one that like really intrigues me because, uh, our third episode, we had Tim Seesock on and actually Tim's coming to my house tomorrow. He's coming out and Tim's been going out West for the last like 10 years, uh, himself and and he's a year younger than me and we actually grew up in the same town never hung out <laughs> yeah it's just he went to a different high school the catholic school there and uh the past couple of years he's he's had he's finally been able to put a nice mule deer down two years ago in idaho and then last year in idaho again he went and put down a beautiful uh big bull and so we're going to kind of hash out. This will be my first trip going out West next year. Okay. And, and it was kind of like, kind of like what you said exactly to the T it was, uh, I'm like, Oh man, it, it probably costs a lot. I'm nervous. Like, you know, I, I just, just a whole picture of it. And, but it was something, a, a dream of mine that I always wanted to do. 
And then finally it, it just came like, I just told myself I'm doing it. Like there was no ands, if buts about it. And, and like my wife's like, so what are your plan? I'm like, I'm doing it in September. She's like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, and then like Tim just kind of been that has been that perfect resource just because he's been doing it the past 10 years that now we're, he's going to help me out. Like I said, tomorrow we're going to plan like some official places and where we're going to draw some, hopefully draw some tags. And like you said about going like truck camping, just like we're just that stuff. And like, even like hearing from Tim, you know, Tim knows he's not the end all be all and he's willing to learn and do stuff. So like that March 21st, like if I have nothing going on that weekend, like I plan to be there. Cause that's just a, a really good, just a perfect example of like, again, like programs you guys are offering because it's, it's relatable because it's the guys from PA going out there. It's not somebody from out West coming here and telling me how to get out there. You know what I mean? It's, it's people that are lived it, done it and just love it. So they're going to help out other people. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think the perspective is great. You know, that all the, all the folks that are, that are helping with that seminar will like understand what your challenges are going from here. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's important because there's, there's different set of challenges, right? You know? and, right. And, and the other thing I want to go back to is like, your conviction to just do it is the right is the right way to think. Okay, like just do it. just do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, don't don't worry. Don't plan on killing anything. Don't just go have a good time. Yep. Just go see it. Have an yep. experience. And I mean, hunting. I think from my perspective, hunting should be that every time you go hunting. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be about you know how how full the coolers are, but you know, definitely if you're on the fence about a western trip, just give it a shot. Yeah. You know, go try it. You'll make mistakes. You might. Who knows? I, we certainly did when, when we started going, and I went with with guys who had done it before, but um, we still made tons of mistakes. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, you learn from it, and you have a great time, and you know more next time. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I encourage anyone to to give it a shot, and and it can be done. You know, if you're thrifty and you, you already have gear, you can go hunt elk for fifteen hundred bucks. And, that, and that's what Tim said. It's exactly what Tim said. He was like, dude, he's like, I've got it figured out that like you could be no more than 1500 bucks. And we're like sold, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. the, to the, that nice bitter here over in central PA. And that's I, where, you yeah, know, I mean, you if know, you're starting from zero, no, you can't right. do it for 1500 bucks. But if you have a bow or gun or, you know, you have that, some of that stuff and you can do it for that. Yeah. yeah. Take your whitetail stuff mm -hmm. and go. Yeah. You know? And that's something that too, like, uh, you know, coming out, you know, what, at by this point in time it you have already hopefully have listened to it an episode with with greg farrell from first light and we talked about obviously the early season mid-season late season uh layer systems regarding first light and what i have and how we were talking about like i just really need like one piece going out west you know and and he was just like yeah you're you're solid man so I'm like like you were just saying like i have a good foundation of gear so it's mainly just the the tags yeah so, and then, you know, obviously the, the other little mini expenses that come in like with gas and all that stuff. But so I, I'm, that's why I finally was like, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not second guessing myself. I'm just going, I'm jumping in the deep end, no floaties on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that's how I am now, even about this upcoming season, because we're still, we're still tag building Yeah. in, in a couple of States. So we're the next few years, we're going to hunt with, without using draw without using points yeah um so i don't know we applied for wyoming again but we might not get it yeah 
if we don't get Wyoming, I've, then it's like backup plan two, and then it's backup plan three, and then yeah, but we'll go somewhere. Yeah, and it, it, I just don't care. It doesn't really matter to me where we go. Yeah, or what we hunt, but we're gonna do something. We're gonna go have an adventure. That's awesome. You know? That's so. and that's that's what I want to start. Like the concept of just that adventure, yeah. you know, like like because Tim even said to me, he's like, "Man, what's your goal?" I said, my goal is to just get out there, sleep under the stars, like, and if just experience it. Yeah. <clears throat> and if I'm very fortunate, lucky enough, man, that's more than I could ever dream about. And, uh, you know, I just, I know I'll put into work to try to be as successful, but at the same time, like if I, that first bugle, just every time, every, any person I've ever spoken to has always said, it just changes your life. And that's what, like, I'm, I'm dying. I'm itching for that experience to, 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 to experience that. Well, you, you talk about a lot of the people that have been out there. I mean, they talk more about the landscape and, and the views that they see more than actually being successful in the hunt. I mean, they get caught up in the landscape and how beautiful and big a lot of those lands are out there. And just to see that scene, scenic view, I mean, that just makes the hunt all that more special oh yeah i mean it's that's definitely true all the little things that happen you know last fall my son and i uh, the first day that we were hunting we glassed up a bull moose about uh, 250 yards away and the wind was right and he had no idea we were there and there weren't any elk around so i said why don't we stalk that moose as if we're gonna as if we're gonna hunt it and we got to within 60 yards and we ran out of cover he was out in the open and it was really fun. Like we're stalking a moose. We're not, of course, we're never going to shoot it. But like, yeah, this is this is an experience. Let's see. How, we got nothing to lose. Right, right. Unless he tramples us, you know. <laughs> uh, we have nothing to lose. Let's go see. Let's do this. And he was like, "Yeah, let's absolutely. Let's stalk that moose." Yeah. So you know, you just got to make your own fun, and yeah, and things will happen to you that you never thought would happen. Things you'd never see, and like you know, the animals out there are different, and you see all kinds of cool stuff. And, yep. Um, yeah, the best parts of all the Western hunting trips, almost all the Western hunting trips I've been on have not been the, the dead elk part. Yeah. You know, it's been some other thing. The memories that you're building. Yeah. That's awesome. Because yeah, you, you will you will see different stuff because it's the landscapes, like you said, the landscape's amazing. The critters are different. You know, there's yeah. pine martens and there's moose and there's mountain lions and yeah. there's grizzly bears in some places and there, you know, it's all just different. Everything's different. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I can, so, Man, I cannot wait. Well, you know, there's there's one more thing like regarding like into the chapter that that I'm intrigued about and like what's our PA chapter goal for for 2020? I know you're talking about like the three R's and all that stuff, but like if you're if you're kind of going out there, like what what would you say is your your ultimate goal for for the PA chapter for this upcoming year? Uh, well, again. It's, it's funny you should ask that because we just went through our chapter planning process and I haven't read the, the plan yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I don't, I don't create that. Right. You know, the, 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 it's, like I said, it's grassroots organization. Like the chapter guys, the chapter folks, sorry, not guys, it's men and women. Um, they create those plans with a little bit of advice from me and, you know, some guidance from BHA and uh, actually I haven't read their plan yet. So it's all right. I've had I've only had it for a couple of weeks. So I'm pretty busy. So, <laughs> um, but I, you know, generally the goal here is to um, continue growing. The chapter here has grown a ton 
same folks in leadership for the, the whole time I've been here. You know, I pulled those got those folks together, and and they're uh, incredibly strong leaders here in Pennsylvania. It's the one thing that, that we really have going for us here, and they are building out leadership underneath them. So they're they've branched out into like geographic segments of the state that are going to awesome. have like a like a captain. Yeah, maybe they'll yeah. call it. Yeah, and these are already set up in yeah. some places. And then that that person and those teams handle um, events uh, like pint nights and projects, yeah, pint nights, other events, you know, films, uh, hike hike to hunt, yeah, any of any kind of events that we do, they'll handle those for that area. They'll also be the person that you know, hey, there's a new member and they want some information. Well, then you know, reach out to this, these folks; they'll help you. You know, they're right. local; they're where you live. Right, right. So they're broken down in these sort of geographic um, clusters that are that are there at the local level, and that's that's taking some pressure off the the folks at the at the top, and spreading it out. You nice, know, a lot more, a lot more folks working on the um, all the little things that that BHA chapters do. Well, I think too, what <laughs> that's gonna that gives you more opportunity to work on some big higher end stuff rather than dealing with like you were just saying like somebody's new and they just want to know some more information like you don't have to do that yeah it's you know many hands make light work yeah and that, that's that that whole idea plus the localization i yeah. think is really important that's huge yeah yeah now and now are you guys doing anything related with uh, total archer challenge this upcoming year yeah know? the chapter will be a total archer challenge um you know across the country but here in pennsylvania at seven springs uh, the chapter folks will be there. Awesome. We're going to do, let's see, we're going to do, we'll have a booth. They're going to do of the Friday night after party. Oh, wonderful. And they're going to do a novelty shoot. I think that's probably, that's probably it. Awesome. Well, yeah. I know, uh, I mean, we finally finalized our details with Total Archer Challenge, and we'll be sponsoring a Target on the knock-on course oh, this nice. year. Good. Yeah, so we're uh, we're going to be doing some fun giveaways and um throughout that whole weekend uh so we're that'll be awesome to see you guys there and you know maybe we could do something together and uh uh that'd be I'd, i would love to kind of join forces there for for something that'd be a free cool thing even if it's like man i'd love to support or sponsor like a new member or something like that give sure a, give away like a like a yearly membership for for somebody maybe we'll do that as a giveaway for one day sure that'll work awesome man yeah like i'm gonna it. i'm gonna miss that one this year because i'm gonna be at rendezvous oh yeah i saw it missoula yeah but i'll be at the tack uh in vermont oh okay the the weekend before yeah yeah because i i work not just with pennsylvania but i work with um four other chapters yep too um up down the east coast here so so you you got you got pa vermont pa new york capital region which is district of columbia maryland and virginia and then we have new england okay which is the six new england states which i could recite but i won't <laughs> and then uh new jersey which is our newest chapter here in the east okay and they're they're ramping up too so. that's awesome man yeah. you're so you're busy you're not very yeah yeah i'm busy and and so and, how the heck and, did we and, get and, how did we get on a fr- friday night man in february well you picked to, it right like friday nights when i have some spare time so <laughs> thank you i hey man this is awesome we appreciate that's it great no that's awesome 
And last but not least, let's thank our partners over at Stoker Eye Stabilizers. Right now on my VXR28, I have the brand new M100 SS1 14.5 inch stabilizer. And man, what an an amazing piece of equipment this is. This new stabilizer is brand new from Stoker Eyes. It is a carbon fiber micro diameter. uh, It's the stiffest carbon that eliminates the slightest vibration. And my bow is so balanced with the tight spot on the other side. And now this uh, brand new SS1 Stoker Eyes stabilizer running that. Um, Man, I'm not only am I impressed with the product, but the customer service. Sean is a great guy. That's who I've dealt with uh, uh, as well. So take a look for yourself for what I'm talking about over at stokerized.com. Well, Chris, tell us, tell the people what's the best way to, to take action with BHA or with our local representatives or politicians, what we can do to help protect these public lands. Uh, well, let's see. Um, if, if, you know, if you're a citizen, you want to be involved in the process of the, you know, the, the first thing you gotta do is be informed. You got, you got to be aware of what the issues are. If you don't know what's happening, you can't be part of it, right? So uh, BHA can help with that. There's other groups that can, that can help with that. Um, you know, being aware of, of the issues and, and legislation, if you're, if you're you know, that far into it, is definitely part of it. And then once you know that, um, you know, simply voting is a great way to be involved. You know, uh, find the, the candidates that, that uh, you know, represent your views and, and try to vote them into office. That's number one. Uh, you can write letters to your representatives, your elected officials. You can go meet with them. Um, most of your, your, you know, committed elected officials, they're public servants, and, and they feel that they have a responsibility to meet with every citizen, whether they agree with them or not. Right. So, and I think a lot of folks don't know that, you know. Uh, elected officials work for us. We don't work for them. And they know that. So uh, if you want to be heard in person, and you can do that. You can call up, and it happens every day. People go in and sit down with their elected officials and hear what they have to say. So, you know, it's a very easy process. You just call and say, hey, I'd like a meeting, and here's what I want to talk about. And they'll, they'll some staff member will talk to you about it a little bit first. And, then, you know, hopefully, if you're persistent, or maybe you get lucky and get the meeting the first time, <laughs> but you can, you know, if you're a committed citizen, and you have ideas and you have something you want to say, you can get, a, you can eventually get a meeting with your elected official. That's another way to do it. Um, obviously, groups like BHA connect people. You know, part of what we do is we make it easy. You know, we we monitor the issues. Like I said earlier, we monitor the issues and we give you ways to to have an effect. So we. We have uh, systems in place where you can click a link and send an email, right? You know, on an issue instantly. I mean, thirty seconds. You know, also in there is contact information for other means. You know, if you want to write your own letter, you can. If you want to use ours and modify it, you can. If you just want to send a straight letter email, you can. If you want to, you know, customize it print it off and mail it U.S. mail, you can do that. And I know for us, for Sunday hunting, that was something that our chapter did a little bit of uh, pushing there and pushing the needle, I I guess you would say, huh? Yeah, we did the Pennsylvania chapter a lot for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) We were were glad we made some progress because we were getting kind of tired. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's it. You know, it's you just got to keep asking people, and people have to keep pushing those buttons. And I believe, yeah. we, like you said, about having, like, an email, and I think we had one for the Sunday hunting mm-hmm. because I filled that out, and I remember getting, like, a letter in the mail about it. You know? Yeah. So that's just 
Yeah, so we the BHA, you know, HQ has a system, and uh, we so some here here's how this works. So if something happens, say you 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 realize there's an issue, you remember there's something that comes up, and you you call the chapter, and oh wow, yeah, okay, we have to we have to do something about this. You know, we're going to take action here. So uh, the chapter you know puts together some uh, you know a couple of written statements on it in in a certain way in a certain fashion, and they provide it to me, and I. I move it on through our system to uh, HQ, and we have a couple folks there that understand our our advocacy yep. software, and they'll plug it in. That's and awesome. The next thing you know, it generates a link, and and a, you know it's part of our web page, and it's all integrated, um, and it generates a link that you know we can share with you, we can share with other people. You don't have to be a BHA member. You know, for the Sunday hunting thing, we generated you know. Every time we wanted people to do a certain thing, because it went through many, many steps of the legislative process. Right. Right. So there's, there's all these layers, things that have to happen before, you know, in, in the path to, to change. So um, we would share that as, as we, cur- we, would, we would change these action items and the, the, the certain links and the buttons that you push. And then we would share that information with not only us, but all the other groups in Pennsylvania that we're working on. And, you know, it's like with uh, Hunters United for Sunday Hunting, you know, they would share the link or other people, other groups would share the link. And that way, you know, others, maybe they're not even BHA members, but there's just somebody who, you know, wanted to take action. Right. And it was made easy for them. So right. It's, you know, it's a real benefit. You know, and sending sending an email like that is great. Calling is better. Okay. Yep. You know, if you, if you really want to make an impression on an elected official, pick up the phone. If you really, really want to make an impression, go in their office. Right. Um, so, you know, email's easy and they know that. Right. And it's also the volume is high on yeah. their end. It's hard, yeah. hard to track. They right. try, I'm sure. But, right. Um, you know, legislators generally listen. Yeah. You know? So you can't have an effect. If, you just, if you're just a plain old citizen, you can, you can help move the needle. I will, I will kind of go squirrel right now, but man, the, the new website platform that you guys are running on, uh, I, I would say it's been what the past couple of months. It, it's so much more user friendly and it's, uh, I like it. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. It's just, uh, I have like, I love that. I, when I log in, it's like, welcome back, Jeremy. And there's, you know, gives me all the PA chapter stuff, information that's coming up. It's just a lot easier and I think more beneficial to, to members. Um, Great. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a feedback for that. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, is there anything else, Chris, that we didn't touch upon that you think, you know, our listeners should, should, should know about regarding BHA, regarding anything related with uh, uh, RPA chapter in, in particular? Um. Yeah, I think, you know, we touched a little bit on R3 earlier. And, you know, that like I said, lots of chapters, chapters of BHA, BHHQ, other other groups around the country are working on that. And I think that's great. But yeah. I, I think, you know, your listenership, which I I'm assume is mostly people that hunt, um, I think every one of us should take some responsibility and, a little bit of effort to try and bring a new hunter or two mm-hmm. in, into this. Uh, the future of, of hunting is uncertain uh, for sure. And hunting is, you know, incredibly important to all sorts of wildlife, not just, you know, the species that we pursue and put on the table, but, 
many others benefit from our uh, license fees, uh, taxes on equipment, stuff like that. Um, and I think if every one of us that's interested, you know, that appreciates hunting, uh, took the time to take, you know, a couple of other folks out uh, every year. And it doesn't have to be a big um, all-day trip or a weekend trip or something. We're talking about, like, introducing one or two people to the concept or hunting of some part of it or yeah. uh, sharing a meal. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of venison diplomacy. That's awesome. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have lots of people who have never had venison or duck or squirrels have eaten their first one of those here that's in my house so you know that's something i do too that opens the door and people um you start feeding them enough wild game and then they start becoming interested in going out maybe and seeing where it came from yeah you know and then they're outside at least they're outside then right well Um, like even like one of my favorite pictures that you post like on your social media is the one with when your son and his buddy went out squirrel hunting and Mm -hmm. you know, that's just like, and then they're, they're getting their hands dirty, like prepping them for, for some of a nice meal. And I like, that's just so cool. Like that's something that like when my daughter gets old enough, like I I can't wait. Yeah. That was a true field to table day. We went out and killed the squirrel. (laughs) We cleaned it. We cooked it and we ate it. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, my son's buddy in that picture, his name is Paul. He lives around the corner here. He's from a non hunting family. And he wanted to get in, into hunting. So we've sort of adopted him. Pennsylvania chapter started a thing called the Take Two program, which is pretty much what I just described to you. It's we, you know, we ask our members to take every season, take two new individuals on some sort of hunting related activity. Okay. Trail cam, to check your trail cams, take someone out, teach them something about about your passion and yeah. share it with them and see what happens. And uh, so Paul Paul's our uh, we've adopted Paul. That's awesome. So Paul went, yeah, he, let's see what he's done so far. He's been in the shooting range a whole bunch because he had to do that uh, to, to be able to, to hunt. We took him through uh, hunter safety. Yep. My son, who had just finished it, took the, the full Saturday course again with his buddy <laughs> just because we didn't want to send him alone. We didn't yeah. think that was fair. And William, yeah. William took took one for the team and, and went and nice. redid the whole program. That's awesome. Um, Paul's been squirrel hunting. He's been deer hunting. It's not been duck hunting, or uh, no, not duck hunting yet, or not turkey hunting yet. Next spring we'll take okay. turkey hunting. So Paul's enjoying it, and he's into it, and um, yeah, it's been fun. And we're working on we're working on some other folks too. We got some other folks in the pipeline for next. That's awesome. Year. That's so, awesome. Well, hopefully, if Nate's listening, what what by by this point in time, we we're trying to do a duck hunt for this year, but didn't get a chance to work out. So hopefully next year. Uh, He'll get me out there on the water because I know that's some Nate's passion is, is some waterfowl hunting. Yeah, I've been ducking it with Nate. You should go. Yeah, it's like being guided. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you just you just get in the boat. Yeah, <laughs> because even like when we met up at, at Tussie Mountain that day, he was just saying like he just is gung ho about waterfowl. So that's something that um, when you know as as the fall and things were starting to slow down a little bit, I'm like I'm I'm getting like just stir crazy i, I want to try something new you know and that's i've never been duck hunting so i was let's let's try something new so i reached out to nate nate was so receptive for it and you know life just got busy for both of us and which is totally understandable but nate if you're listening next year put put us down <laughs> yeah I, I love duck hunting too that's a new passion of mine where- and i love duck because a, a friend of mine growing up 
um, his dad was, he actually had his license plate was duck man. Oh, his yeah. whole house was just decorated in, <laughs> duck in, stuff. in duck stuff. And, uh, I mean, so every time we'd go over, I mean, it just seemed like it was, you know, duck was, was on the plate and I, I loved it. Just absolutely loved the meal. So yeah, that's something that I'm looking forward to for, for next year for sure. Yeah. That's another one. I'm, um, experimenting, experiment, experimenting with on non hunters. Um, is duck. Yeah. I've had some success there and yeah. found a couple of recipes. That That's awesome. Yeah. Are good. And the wild ducks are, um, they're different than, you know, your big fat store duck, but you can really can make them taste good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even the, even the divers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, sure. man. So, well, and I'll tell you what, and that's where like we've now we've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times. One of my colleagues, her boyfriend is like dying to get, go hunting. And he's from New York, so he doesn't really have the family here. Um, so I, I told my friend Nicole, I'm like, hey, like let's like bring him along. I'm like, this summer, I'm like, I'll do whatever I can. Like you said, like just to take him to go check trail cameras, like go set up right. stuff, that type of stuff. Go walk around the woods and shoot bows, and um, you know, get him in, in, involved. Just because I, I really want to, like you said, just try to get more people recruitment, just because. I, when you think about it is okay if, i know my daughter will be fine she'll be able to hunt but when i think about maybe one day her kids and their kids and it's just like kind of going down like what is hunting going to be so i just ho hopefully there is you know and that's where i want to you know hopefully we can continue to do our part and 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 get people involved sure and and if we're lucky in pennsylvania our our uh our game commission here has uh, made incredible changes that that make it very easy to take either an adult or a kid hunting. You know, it's for a kid, it's free. For an adult, it's cheap. And it's the you know, if I decided to, if you were a non-hunter and decided to take you hunting tomorrow, we could buy a, hunt, a license online right now and we can go. Right. Nothing else needs to happen. You know, that person doesn't need to go through the training, and you know, eventually you you would need you know an adult would need to go. Um, well, everyone eventually would need to. Uh, you know, go through the hunter safety course, but it really is simple now just to take someone out and and have them, you know, do it. The, the, the obstacles to entry are as low as they can possibly be. Right. Here in Pennsylvania. And, and a lot of neighboring states are not like that. You know, New yeah. York's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about other states, but we're very fortunate here. So if you think it's, if people are thinking, oh, it's too hard to take someone hunting because they have to do all this stuff, it's not true. Right. It's, it's really easy. The mentored hunting and the mentored youth and the mentored adult hunting programs are fantastic, and let's thank the game commission for that. That's awesome. That's good to know. And I, like I said, I know, like I said, I've had players ask, and you know, I'm if they're serious, that I'm. I mean, when they tell me, I'm like, uh, just so you know, like I'm dead serious. I will take you. And they're like, all right, yeah, sure, like let's do it. Like I want to, you know, they're like, I want to be like Cam Haynes. Like they see like the fitness stuff, I guess, online or whatever, and you know. And if that, hey, whatever, it's just if it gets them in, in interested. So that that's what it's about. And I, I would love to to definitely do that. Well, Chris, well, I think that kind of wraps everything up, man. And like I said, thank you, honestly, to for one, having us in your home and welcoming us. And we had some, some dinner, and uh, we appreciate that. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and educating us, too. Like I said, I've been a member for two years, and I, you know, I want to do more and uh, – play my part and help keeping the, these our land public. So uh, 
Thank you. And before we get off, where, where could people reach out, um, check BHA, BHA out or check you out a little bit more and reach out to you if, if needed? Well, the best way to find the Pennsylvania chapter is on Facebook. Uh, just type in, you know, Pennsylvania BHA. That'll pop up. That's easy. Uh, they're also on Instagram, the chapter. Uh, HQ is uh, backcountryhunters.org. And also easy to find on, on social uh, if you want to connect to the chapter directly, the best way is Pennsylvania at backcountryhunters.org. That's the email. Okay. It's Pennsylvania spelled out. Uh, and I'm I'm on the website. Yep. Go to BHA's main website at backcountryhunters.org and find the staff site, and you can connect with me there. And I'm easy to find on social as well. Awesome, so man. I'm out there. Yep. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and anyone, you know, that's – Interested in getting involved with BHA, I encourage you to do it. You know, no matter what your, what your talents are or what you want to do, there's a spot for you. Um, you don't have to have 100 years of hunting experience. Yep. You know, whether you're new or even if you're not even a hunter, you yeah. know, and you want to be, this is this is the group of people that will embrace you. Yeah, 100%. I Every individual that I've ever met that has dealt with BHA in some capacity, whether it be at a, a show uh, and at some type of an event, everybody has been phenomenally just so nice like i just can't even express that and just say like i i know we're like-minded individuals and you know so we like that type of stuff but it's everybody's just been so outgoing and like warm welcoming like i felt like i've known them for a long time so it's just been a a cool experience so like what chris said go out there you know and and just go and and, and meet people within the chapter they're they're great people yeah, agree. Awesome, man. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, and uh, we'll wrap that up. And hopefully, you guys got something out of it. You enjoyed it. And thank you again for listening. And until uh, next time, Antler up. All right, everybody. That wraps up our episode with Chris from BHA. And Chris, thank you so much for allowing Dimitri and I to come in your home. We really appreciate uh, spending time with you, getting to talk a little bit about conservation and what how we could get more involved within our chapters of BHA. So thank you so much, everybody. For, hope you enjoyed this episode. Go out and check out antlerupoutdoors.com for your, an opportunity to go ahead and see what we have on there for our blog, for our videos, as well as some of our merch, uh, especially our hats made by Shea Butler Knives. Uh, man, uh, really appreciate all the feedback we've been getting. Thank you so much. Till next time, Antler Up.